mention that thing. <laughs> Appreciate it, Pastor. Amen. Well, I enjoyed enjoyed that testimony. We had a good testimony last night, and your ministry, brother, praying for it. And then uh, tonight, uh, great ministry. Uh, well, I tell you, I I uh, I was excited listening to that. I, what I was mostly excited about is that they have a good follow-up program. You know? Good follow-up program. So that the pastors can go after those people, you know? That's great. Where's our brother? I lost him out there. Is he still here? Oh, where's he at? Oh, there he is. Brother, that's great ministry. Excited about that ministry. Amen. Well, uh, the theme of the conference is See Your Calling. See your calling. Remember, part of our calling is we've got to have the ears of Jesus. Amen? The eyes of Jesus and the cure of Jesus. That's what we talked about Sunday morning. And then part of seeing our calling is that we need to work. Got to work in whatever atmosphere we have to work in. Whether it be working in uh, when things are comfortable or if we're, or we're being maybe mocked a little bit, or, or we end up in jail, we got to work. That's part of our calling. And then, uh, and then we, because of our calling, we get to see the wonderful things that happen with the believers. Amen? That's what we talked about. Now tonight, I want to shift gears a little bit. And I want to talk to you tonight about relationships within God's plan for missions. Relationships. When I say relationships, I'm talking about uh, how God's relationship is with the missionary and with the church, and how the missionary's relationship is with God and the church. And then, uh, what is the church's relationship between God and the missionary? So tonight I want to share uh, a message to you about those relationships within mission. Very important. Because uh, there's many things we need to understand about missions. And if we don't understand the relationships, it's hard to understand missions. And so I want to share that with you tonight. We want to open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And then we're going to read. Well, we'll go ahead and read all nine verses here. Or eight verses. Eight. 10 to 18, that's what we're going to read, or 19, yeah, 10 to 19. It says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein you were also careful but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did, that ye did communicate with my, my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. 
For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your accounts. But I have all and abound. Let's stop right there and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, allowing us to have your word, to instruct our lives, to, to see clearly uh, our purpose and the, and the direction that you have for us. Uh, Lord, use your word to guide us and direct us and help us to fulfill your will for our lives. Uh, encourage us with your word. Uh, give us that sustaining power that we need to preach and proclaim your word and, and stay steady and faithful in all these things that we have to do. We thank you for all things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So relations within God's plan for missions. Uh, it's important that we understand the relations. And Paul, remember, he is writing the Philippian church, and he is in prison, he is in Rome, and he's recanting uh, certain things about his experiences with the Philippian church. And when we get to chapter 4, uh, he's going back and he's sharing with them uh, how important they were in accomplishing the work of God and, and, and the things that they did. And we find here also in this part of chapter 4, uh, once again, they're sending to help Paul. And so I just want to break down this, some of these verses and, and show you the relationship that was involved here. Uh, first thing I want to do is show you the relationship uh, between the church and the missionary. Now this is very important because uh, a church, uh, there are different types of ways that churches have relationship with missionaries. Uh, some churches have five, six hundred missionaries and, 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 and they support them. Uh, 25 to 50 dollars a month but but they don't know their missionaries uh, some churches may have a hundred missionaries uh, I was recently at a church they've been supporting me for 31 years I walked in uh, a lady uh, was there and I, I found the table they already had a table set and I was setting up my table and right up just happened to be it was interesting. I think the person that set my table there made sure he set my table right in front of where my prayer letter was. So I'm setting up my table. And uh, she said, uh, sir, uh, first time here? I said, no, ma'am. She said, uh, are you a new missionary? I said, no, ma'am. I've been a missionary for a while. She said, uh, uh, well, that's great. Where are you a missionary at? I said, I'm a missionary to the Dominican Republic. And uh, my, my face is right there on my prayer letter, right? Big face. It's ugly. You can't miss it. And it's right there. And, uh, and so as we were talking, we talked for a while. And then uh, I said, yeah, I'm Ronnie Autry. She said, she said well, I, I hope we can help you. And I said, I said ma'am, um, I'm Ronnie Autry. She said, yeah, I know. You told me your name's Ronnie Autry. I said, I said I, I, I'm, I'm one of your missionaries. She said, oh, you're one of our missionaries? I said, yes, ma'am. Here's my letter right here. <laughs> She had no idea who I was. And uh, sometimes uh, churches, they have a great vision for supporting missionaries, but they don't know who their missionaries are. And so I think, I think the great thing that I find here in Philippians chapter 4 is there is no doubt about it 
This church knew all about Paul. They knew what he was facing. They knew what he was going through. And they knew what he was experiencing. And listen, I, I tell you, missionaries appreciate support. They do. They appreciate the support. But I want to tell you, there's, there's times when a missionary would like a phone call. I mean, I, there's been times in our ministry where I, I would be so overwhelmed and I would, I would be praying and asking God for help and, uh, and, and just wondering if anybody knew I was in the Dominican Republic. And, uh, uh, but you know something? The Lord's good. Every so often, when I would be going through a time of difficulties, he'd have somebody call me. Just out of the Just call me. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. I remember, uh, look here at verse 10. Let's look at verse 10. It says here in verse 10, it says that, it says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me have flourished again. He's letting them know, hey, you're helping me again. Look at verse 14. It says, Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with me in my affliction. Uh, verse 15. Uh, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And then in verse 16 it says, uh, that their giving was again and again. It says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again under my necessities. Uh, missionaries appreciate uh, that help and, and, and that giving. But, you know, I think it's a good thing if you make a point to somehow know all your missionaries, uh, whether it be by getting in groups and, 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 and rotating the groups and praying for those missionaries. I mean, uh, just like our brother was sharing a while ago, uh, what, what, what a burden to carry. What a responsibility to have to carry to set up these campaigns and go in knowing that these pastors, these na I'm all about national pastors, okay? I'm all about national pastors. I, I have a lot of them. I'm all about them. But just knowing that he's got the responsibility, I, I, I feel what he's talking about, uh, that he has to go in and he has to get these campaigns set up and, and then and then intend to ha make things happen so that these men can go on. I, I'm telling you, you, you don't have, you just can't understand how bad that's needed for those men. I can't even explain it, but I understand. I understand the load and the 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 care and the 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 desire and and, and the the need. And if if I had a million dollars as bad as I need five hundred five hundred thousand to pay for our property, I'd give you half of it, brother. <laughs> I'd let you have half of it. I remember one time, pastor called me. Anybody in here from West Virginia? I'm sorry, brother. I still got to tell the story. <laughs> I, I got a pastor up in West Virginia. He called me. He said, he brought you. I want you to come up and preach for us. I said, sure. Well, I, I got in my car. And I drove 
eight hours to get there. Sunday night service. I pulled in. I was running late. Back then, uh, our mission presentation was on a carousel. Mine had four. It was heavy too, brother, let me tell you. And then my mission display board was a big wooden thing like this that opened up. It was heavy too. And, uh, and then all those, I had to make like three trips to get everything in because my family didn't go with me. So I just got through driving eight hours. I'm running inside the church and getting my stuff all set up. And, and then I run out to the car and I get some stuff, come back in, run into the bathroom, and I'm freshening up and getting ready. And I'm in the, I'm in the stall changing my clothes. And I heard the door come open and I heard some men come into the bathroom. And they're talking. And the one, one of the men said, do you believe what our pastor done did? He was from West Virginia. And, uh, and then the other guy said, no, what has he did now? And he said, he done invited another missionary to be at our church tonight. Boring, boring, boring. I said, where have I ended up tonight? And I got my stuff together, and I, I came out. I walked right by them, thinking, I'm in the wrong place. I went up. I sat down on the pew right there. Pastor saw me, motioned me to come up and sit on the platform with him. And that guy was sitting two, two rows behind where I, where I had been sitting. And when I sit down, it was straight. I mean, he saw me, and his head went like this. Now, the preaching was hot that night, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway, uh, sometimes we don't get the best reception, you know. But you know what? A missionary just got to, like Paul said, uh, uh, he said, uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that everybody's not that way. I'm thankful that uh, there are churches that have, and I can tell from this church right here that this is a church that cares about the people they support. And that excites me. I mean, especially after the other night, that really excites me since I'm a part of it now. Amen? That excites me. But uh, communication. Sometimes, sometimes you might want to help a missionary with something. And uh, I've learned from experience, it's good if you call the missionary first and let him know what you might be going to do for him. Because what you might going to do for the missionary might not work out as well as you think it might. I'll give you an example. When we first got to uh, Santo Domingo, we'd been there probably for about a year. I had a friend from a church that supported us up in New Hampshire. And uh, the, the people that brings the boxes and things into the missionaries... Uh, once they take a box and receive it, you've got to pay for it. And so they called me. They said, uh, uh, Ronnie, you have a box up here. I said, really? I'm not expecting no box. I don't have no box. Yes, you got a box. Oh, let me tell you, you got a box. I said, I got what kind of box? They said, it's one of those industrial boxes. I said, industrial boxes? I don't know what an industrial box is. You know, the ones that are about this thick. They said, you better bring some help. 
I said, why? He said, it's very heavy. So I'm thinking, I said, how much is the box? $450. Oh, $450. Listen, when you're going to pick up a box that you're not expecting, and they tell you to bring $450, you're you're expecting something great to be in the box. Amen? (laughs) I mean, you're expecting, like, something really good to be in that box, maybe a sound system or something, you know? So I get there, and I I, I paid the money, and, and they showed me the box, and it's all sealed up. And I got my boys with me, and we pick it up, and we slide it into the van and go home. Me and the boys get the box. They're, on, they're both on one side. I'm on the other side. We get the box out. We set it down, open it up. Oh, when we open the box. I open the box, and right on top of the box was... Two huge bags, 25-pound bags of sugar. And I was looking at those 50 pounds of sugar, brother, and I'm thinking $450, $450. Do you know what the national crop of the Dominican Republic is? It's sugar cane. Sugar cane. Listen. I can buy a 25-pound bag, uh, bag of sugar cane in Dominican for like $15. And I had two of them. That was some valuable sugar, let me tell you. That was sugar was some valuable sugar. We, we were careful how we used that sugar. Well, I got the two bags of sugar out of there, and I'm looking, and the next thing I saw was two more bags, but they were 25 pounds, and they were not sugar. They were rice. Do you know what the number two crop of the Dominican Republic is? It was rice. I said, oh, my goodness. I said, I could have got all this rice for about 20 bucks. I said, wow. We got, I said, listen, we're going to eat every bit of this rice, and we're going to eat every bit of that sugar because we done paid a lot of money for that. And then after that, it was just canned goods and pasta and all kinds of stuff. You know something? I called brother, the brother, and I said, listen, brother, I said, we were so excited to receive your box. And, uh, and, and we're going to be eating out of that box for a long time. You don't need to see us any more boxes for a while because we're going to be eating out of that box for a while. But I said, now, if you decide you're going to send us another box, would you give us a call first? Because there's some other things we could really use that we need to uh, maybe let you know about. And I never told him that it cost me $450 to get that box. I want to tell you something. Back then, $450 for us was a lot of money. And, uh, and uh, so you learn, uh, if somebody said they're going to send you something, you say, hey, brother, uh, could you tell me what you're going to send me first? Because I, I want to make sure I, I can use it. Uh, if not, I can tell you some other missionary might could use it. Like if you've got an enemy or something, you could tell them to send it to the enemy. <laughs> you know, so, anyway, uh, yes, great thing to have those kind of communication. You want the help. You need the help. But you need it to be something that you definitely can use on the field. And so, so, so communication is very, very important for the missionary. You need communication. And, and the church, when they start communicating with their missionaries, in that kind of a sense, they become connected. And they start understanding the special things that this missionary may have to face 
that this one over here doesn't have to face. And they start thinking about, well, how can I ease some of the things they have to face? Some of the things that, that they need to get the job done. I'm sure our brother that's got to do these, carry the tents around and different things, I'm sure there's certain things that he really needs to do a great job that I don't need. I mean, he probably needs a trailer or something for all his equipment around. I don't need a trailer. He probably needs a big, big, heavy-duty truck that can pull stuff. I don't need that. And so there's things that each missionary needs that other missionaries won't need, and it's good to know what they need. And so establishing those links and communications and being able to pray them through situations. I mean, missionaries have to deal with a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that you have to deal with on the field that's not common to you. Uh, What time is it? Okay. Uh, For example... Uh, when we went to the Dominican Republic, we, we were, our, our power constant were going off all the time. Go off, 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 off. I remember the first day we got into our apartment, the first place we lived in the Dominican Republic. Me and the family were so excited. We had all of our stuff in there, but it was all over the place. And we were trying to clean the apartment. And I had bought my wife buckets and broom and mop and all uh, t- towels, everything she needed. And, and I bought everything, and I had everything ready for her to clean the apartment so we could set up the apartment. We started in the morning, got everything ready. My wife goes to the uh, sink. She put the bucket in the sink, turn on the water. No water. No water. She said, Ronnie, something's wrong. I said, what's wrong? No water. No water? I don't know. How could that be? We didn't know any different. We're from the United States. You turn on the faucet, water. In the Dominican Republic, you turn on the faucet, maybe you get water. Maybe you get nothing. So I went and started asking people, hey, we got no water. Oh, well, uh, the, the, you probably, did you turn on the light? No. It's daylight. Why would I turn on the light? Well, turn on your light. That's how you know when there's water. I said, oh, when there's light, there's water. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. In America, we don't have that kind of rule. You know, we don't know about that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, okay, great. I'll go tell my wife, no light, no water. Light, water. Amen. So we had all the lights on. Light come on, I'm going to get the bucket. She'd go to the sink, she cut it on, about a half a glass of water came out, the light went out. No more water. Well, after about the 10th time, and my wife still didn't have a bucket of water yet, I could see it. I could see it building. I could just see it building. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I could see it. And, and so I said, you know, you should be in another room unpacking. You should not be in the same room as she's in. So I would go to another room, and I would start looking through things, and there she'd come. And she'd be acting like she's doing things. <laughs> Let me go to this room over here. I think I need to be over here doing something over here. I got uh, looking. Here she comes. No water. I said, I know there's no water. Well, finally, 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 the lights came on. I had every tub stopped up, every sink in the house stopped up, and all the faucets open because I said, next time there's water, we're going to get enough water for a bucket. 
So I had everything on, and when the, when the lights came on, the water just was filling up everything. And I had, a full, I had two full tubs. All the sinks in the house were full, and, and we, we had plenty of water. And so my wife's cleaning. She's happy now. She's all excited. She's cleaning. I'm setting up stuff, what she tells me to do. She tells me to do this. I do this. I, everything. And finally, I got time to eat. So I went and got us some chicken. And uh, uh, we have over there, we have Pollo Victorina. Ustedes saben que es Pollo Victorina? That's the victory chicken, amen? So we, we, we will have victory. We've been having uh, a few, few setbacks throughout the day, but we fixed to have some victory chicken, amen? And so I got the chicken. We got in there, and, uh, and we're all set up. I, got, I put two of the trunks together. I put a sheet over them. We set the place up. We had the chicken right there. It's dark, but the lights are on, praise God. And I said, all the kids and my wife down, and I said, okay, we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're going to eat. And we thank God for the day we had. I started praying, and my kids had their heads bowed and eyes closed, and my wife had her head, and the lights went out. <laughs> and it was pitch dark. And as soon as I said amen... When they opened their eyes, my little one Stephen started crying. Then Jonathan started crying. Then their mother started crying. And I was about to have a fit. And, and I was thinking, man, this is a great first day here, I'll tell you. I grabbed a candle. I lit a couple of candles. I set it on the table. I sit down. I said, hey, guys, we got light now. We got our first candlelight dinner in the Dominican Republic. And my wife started laughing. And then my kids start laughing. And we, that was our first day in our apartment in Dominican Republic. The missionaries got to face some things that maybe, maybe we don't have to face here. So they need your prayers. They need, they need for you to love on them and, and try to call them once in a while and communicate with them. Missionaries leave that kind of that communication. And then the missionaries' attitude toward God. Look what Paul said. Paul said that uh, in verse 11, he says, uh, notwithstanding in respect of want, for I have learned. Paul said, I've learned. That means he'd gone through experiences. He learned something. And he says, uh, whatsoever state I am, there to be content. There would to be content. Paul said, I have learned that I'm supposed to be content. And he goes down and down and he says, whether I'm poor or whether I'm hungry, or no matter what I'm facing, I'm supposed to be happy about it. I'm supposed to be content because I've learned that. I've learned to be that way. I've learned to accept what God gives me and be happy about that, whether it's a lot or a little. He said, I don't care what it is. I have learned to be content. A missionary needs to have a good attitude toward God. Got to have a good attitude toward God. Missionary cannot get disgruntled with God. You've got to have a great attitude with God. Paul said, I, I have a good attitude. I have a good attitude. I remember when I first got to the Dominican Republic, I, uh, I had, right before I got there, I knew we had to have a car. And uh, there was a missionary on the field, and he, he said, I can get you a car. I said, you can get me a car? He said, oh, yeah, I'll get you a good car. I said, okay. I said, how much would a good car cost me? He said, $5,000. I said, $5,000, and that's a good car, because back then, you know, that was a lot of money, $5,000. He said, that's a good car. I said, great. I'll send you $5,000. 
So I sent him the $5,000. We got to the Dominican Republic. He picked us up at the airport. And, and so here we are. We got our stuff in. I said, hey, I'd like to see my van. He said, great. I said, come on, honey. Come on, kids. Let's go back here and see our van. So when we got to the backyard, there was two vans. And there was one van. I, it sort of looked like a van. But I was thinking, well, that's definitely not my vehicle. So I walked over to the other van because the van, the other van looked nice, looked like it was worth 5000 And I said, oh, man, what a great van. And I'm looking at it. And he said, uh, uh, well, Walter, what you doing? I said, oh, just looking at my van. He said, that ain't your van. That's my van. I said, this your van? He said, yeah. He said, your van's over here on the other side. I said, the van on the other side is my van? He said, yep. I walked over, and I was looking at it. Rusty had a coal hanger holding one of the taillights in. And I'm thinking, this cannot be my van. And my wife's looking at me like, really? I said, hey, let's get in the van. So we got him in the van. Kids are in the back seat. It was an old Nissan van. Both doors on both sides opened up. Boys jumped in. Miss Chona jumped in. I got in the front seat. And my wife said, what's that? I said, that's the gear shifter. She said, gear shifter? I said, yeah. I said, this is, you got to drive this with a clutch. She said, a clutch? I can't drive a clutch. I don't know what a clutch is. I said, honey, I said, you pass your clutch in and you shift the gears. She said, I'll never be able to drive this. I said, it's okay. I'll, I'll take you wherever you got to go. So I'm, I'm over there showing my wife. You know, I'm showing off that I know how to change the gears. The pedals, though, didn't have the little rubber stoppers on there, and my foot slid off the clutch. It went right down to the pavement. And here I was under the stern wheel with my foot down on the ground, looking around thinking, what in the world just happened? And my foot went right through the floorboard. Well, the missionary helped get me out. And then we're just standing there looking at this huge hole. I said, I said, this thing's falling apart. I said, look at that hole. He said, don't worry. We got some welders. We'll go over there and they'll put a piece of sheet metal in there, weld that thing in there, and it'll be brand new. I said, okay. Well, we got it fixed. We went on our first trip. I wasn't being very appreciative at this time because I thought, this is a terrible van, and I wasn't a happy camper. But we got on our first trip on the main road, and we got to the first red light. And when we stopped at the red light, all of a sudden, my boys were in the back. They had, they had two seats in the back. And all of a sudden, both doors of the van flew open. And about 10 Dominicans climbed into my vehicle. And the boys were saying, Daddy, they're getting, in the, they're getting in the van, Daddy. They're getting in the van. They're getting in the van. I said, well, I don't know what to do. I said, I don't know how to tell them in Spanish they ain't supposed to be getting in my van. But they got in the van, and they shut the door. And everybody behind me started beeping their horn at me because the light was green. Well, I took off. Got a whole van full of people in my van. We get down to the next red light. Doors flew open again. Some of them got out. Some more got in. Good night. We're in trouble here. Went down to the next red light. Doors came open again. Some got out. Some got in. Well, we finally got down, I guess, to the end of the route because when the door flew open the next time and they saw I was going straight, nobody got in. 
When they all got out, I said, son, lock the door. They shut the door and locked the doors. And, but our van looked like public transportation. I tell you what, uh, I just knew that I didn't have the right van. And, uh, but anyway, I had a good spirit. I had a good spirit about the van. And we drove that van for two years. We drove that van for two years. Uh, uh, we had to use a few more co-hangers to keep it together, but we drove it for two years. And, and, and God blessed. And uh, we kept the van. And you got to have right spirit. That was the van that God wanted me to have when we first got to Michigan. And that was the van that we had. And we drove that van everywhere we went. We kept the doors locked. But we drove it everywhere we went. Amen? Paul said, he said, you got to have, you got to have, a missionary got to have the right attitude with God. Got to have the right attitude with God. Now, uh, during one of the groups, somebody, somebody uh, had to ride around in that van for about two days. <laughs> and when, after two days, he said, Brother Walter, can I ask you one question? I said, yes, sir. He said, what possessed you to buy this van? I said, I didn't buy it, brother. Somebody bought it for me. He said, did you learn anything? I said, I did. Don't let anybody buy a vehicle for you. He said, he said okay, good, because when I get back to, send, to, to the States, I'm going to send you a check for $10,000 so you can get a real van. You see, God just wanted me to have the right attitude. And then he'd fix it when the time was right. So as a missionary, your missionary got to have a good attitude and know that he serves a mighty God. And at the right time, just when you need it, he shows up. And he'll change your situation. And then we see here that Paul reflects back to the church in verse 17. Uh, his relationship to the church, he says, uh, the purpose of the gift. He says in verse 17, he says, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. That's what our brother was talking about. He's going out here doing those campaigns and, and, and people getting saved. And, and, and when you help, help those campaigns, people get saved. That's fruit. That's fruit to your account. It adds up. In the Dominican Republic over the years, I, could, I couldn't even begin to tell you. I, I have no idea how many. I just know on any given Sunday... Uh, in our 67 churches on any given Sunday, there's got to be around six or 7,000 people coming together. But I don't know how many have gone to be with the Lord. I don't know how many have left the Dominican to go live in the States. I have no idea how many, but I just know that there's been fruit laid to the account of all those who have helped us through the years. Much fruit laid to the account. What a wonderful thing when you get to heaven. I don't know where all y'all support missionary, but what a wonderful thing when, when, when people are coming up to you and they're, they're shaking your hand and they're saying, hey, I wanted to thank you. And you're like, uh, where are you from? Uh, well, when I was on earth, I, I, I lived in Mexico. I've never been to Mexico. Yeah, I know, but you sent some money to send that brother over there to do that campaign. And then in that campaign, I got saved. And I want to thank you for, for, helping, for helping him go there. And then, and then somebody from Africa come up and say, remember there was a, the, a missionary, him and his wife going to Africa. 
and, and, and they came and, and I got saved and, and you helped them do that. And I, want, I just want to thank you for, for sending them because because of them I heard the gospel. Fruit to your account. Fruit to your account. We, we, we all can have fruit to our account. Amen. That's why I support missions. You hear me? That's why I support missions. You know why? I want fruit to my account. I lead people to the Lord all the time. But, but I, want, I want more. You know? I want as much fruit as I can have laid to my account. Uh, every time you get involved and help to send somebody, to help somebody, it's fruit to your account. It's, just not, it's not to their account only. It's to your account also. Paul said, he said, I want to see fruit to your account. That's why you help God's work. Because you're going to get fruit from it. You're going to receive something back that has eternal glory. Not earthly glory. You see, we, sometimes we spend too much time concentrating on things down here. And, you know, I, I keep, I, I just very careful about how much I have. I don't ever want the Lord to come and I have a huge amount of money, more than I needed, and have to say, Lord, I'm sorry, you needed that and I, I kept it from you. Kept it from you, Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, we have to be careful with our Lord. He has a purpose. And in the time I have left, I just want to share in the few minutes I have left, uh, the relationship between God and the church. Now in verse 18 we find that they had taken up another offering and one of the brothers had gone to Rome and he was delivering that to Paul. And look what he says there. It says, uh, he says, uh, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. What does God get from what we give toward his, his great commission, his world plan for evangelism? What does God receive from that? What does he get from that? What's right there is, is very clear. An odor of a sweet smell. An odor of a sweet Listen, when, when you put your offering in. Now, now listen, tithes has tithes or something we have to do. And if you have a problem with that, just go to Hebrews chapter 7. That'll fix it. Because we're, we are under the priesthood of Melchizedek. And Jesus Christ is from the priesthood of Melchizedek. And Abraham, before the law was ever come about, gave a tenth of everything to Melchizedek. And Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek. And just as Melchizedek received a tenth from Abraham, Jesus wants us to give a tenth to the church. Amen. And so it's real simple. It's in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. But 
Here we have something else. We have an offering to missions. And they had sent this offering of missions to Paul in Rome. And we see it right here. It was an odor of a sweet smell. So when we give to missions, that's an offering. And it goes up into heaven. And it's an odor of a sweet smell to our Lord. So when we give to missions, we're sending an odor of a sweet smell. Then it says, a sacrifice acceptable. When we give to missions... It's something that we do not have to do. See, a tithe, we do it because we're supposed to, because God asked for it. But missions is a little bit different. Missions is something you do. You give an offering to God to carry out the great commission of God. And it's something you do, and it's, it's a sacrifice when you do it. You say, Lord, I will give you this as a offering, a sacrifice of my love towards you. This is me demonstrating that your mission is important, that what you need is more important than me having certain things. So I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to sacrifice so that I can make sure that the, the mission, the great commission will be carried out. So it's a sacrifice. So it's it's an odor of a sweet smell, and it's a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. The third thing we get is that God is well-pleased. He's well-pleased. Uh, we, we send up a sweet odor, we make a sacrifice, and God is well-pleased. And that's how God receives our giving to missions. And then the last thing I want to show you here is what does God promise? If we will just follow through and take care of the gift, if we'll just do what they did at the Philippian church and send that odor of a sweet smell, that sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, if we'll just do that, we get the promise in verse 19. It says, but my God, my God shall supply all, all your needs according to his riches, in glory by Jesus Christ. By Christ Jesus. God, my God, will supply all your needs according to his riches. Now, we can, we can go through our life struggling and living in what we can do. Or we can live in what God can do. We can trust God and live in what God can do, or we can live in what we can do. When we live in what we can do, there's difficulty. There's struggles. We need to live in what God can do, where God can take us and the things he can do. I, um, our time's almost gone, or maybe already gone, but let me just share one quick with you. I was, I'm all about planting churches with our nationals. All about it. Had one of my nationals come to me, he said, he said, Pastor Ronnie, we, we know God wants us to plant a church over in this section of the town in Constanza. I said, oh, that is just great, brother. He said, uh, can you help us? I said, well, 
Boy, I said, Brother Melody, though, I'm already so involved in so many efforts. Right now, it'll take a miracle from God for us to help you with that project. I said, I don't see how I can help you. He said, well, he said, uh, we found a piece of property, and it's $6,000. I said, there's just no way I can do anything. I can make some calls. It may take a while for anything to come in, but I, I can see what I can do to help you. He said, well, okay. I said, but I'll tell you what, let's, let's do this. I said, let's pray, and then when you get back up to Constanza, you get the church together, y'all pray, and, and, and I'll pray down here, and we'll see. We'll see what will happen. Well, I, ha I haven't mentioned it to anybody. I haven't made any phone calls to the states. And, and sometimes help comes from the most unlikely place you could ever imagine. I, I finished preaching on Sunday morning at New Life. And uh, a member of our church came over and she knocked on my door. And I, I had somebody in the office and I, I waved at her. Her name was Joanna. And I waved at her and I said, Sister, I'm in the middle of something, but give me a few minutes. And uh, I'll... Uh, I'll see you. Well, I got done, and when I came out, Joanna was gone. <laughs> so, well, it must not have been that very important. And so I got the, my stuff, and I shut my office up, and I'm, I'm getting ready. My wife's waiting on me. And all of a sudden, here comes Joanna pulling up in the parking lot of the church kid. <laughs> she jumped out of the car, and she said, Pastor, I'm sorry I left. She said, but as soon as I got my car and was driving away, she said, God told me that I better get back over here to the church and talk to you. I said, I'm thinking, boy, there must be something really bad wrong here. I said, come on in. We went in. We sat down. I said, what's wrong, Joanna? She said, last night, God woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and he told me that you need help. I said, he told you I need help. I said, yes, he did. So I'm not explaining, Pastor, but I know for a fact God told me you need help. I said, uh, what kind of help did he say I needed? I don't know. Some kind of something, some kind of thing that's going to cost some money, I know that. And she, he told me I had to help you. I said, really? She said, Pastor, I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm not making this up. She said, well, don't you have something that, that you got to figure out a way to take care of? Isn't there anything you need to take care of? Because I, I know I'm supposed to take care of it. I said, well, up in Constanza, we need to be, buy a piece of property. She said, Pastor, I'll give you up to $6,000 on that piece of property. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If that don't make your have shivers up your spine. I don't know what will, because I had not talked to anybody except God. That woman, she said, when can we go? <laughs> I told her, I said, that's what we need. She said, when can we go? I said, next week. I called Melido. I said, Melido. I said, you've been praying about that property? He said, Pastor, we, we prayed. We had a special prayer meeting about that property with the church. So we were all praying, asking God to please intervene, help us get that piece of property before somebody else gets it. I said, well, your prayers were answered. Prayers were answered. If you would have ever told me that a member of New Life Baptist Church in the Dominican Republic would do something like that, I would have said, we don't have anybody that can do that.
God said, if we'll just, just do what he asks, he'll supply our needs. He'll supply our needs. We need, we need those blessings in this time. We need God's help, Pastor. Come, Pastor.